Sorry for the weakness of my voice, not being used to speaking three services. We'll take a little more light in the auditorium, whoever is responsible for that, so I can see some faces. If you'd like to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2, that would be great. As we begin our message today on the subject of peace, I want you to have a copy of the notes because on the back of the notes I've asked to be printed a reading which I'm going to share with you in a few moments. <clears throat> and I, I wanted it uh, for you to be able to take home and to think through it later on. You uh, may not have uh, had come in your inbox, as I did this week, a uh, series of jokes and various things that some people feel compelled to send me. <clears throat> but one of them was... Uh, was a picture of a couple of older women and they were discussing the Christmas season. And one looks at the other and says, well, the virgin birth, I can believe, but three wise men? <laughs> I thought it was good. A little self-depreciating humor there. I'd like us to read in Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, the story of uh, the angels coming to the shepherds as we begin our message today. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign unto you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made known widely the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. During this uh, Advent season, we are looking at the key words surrounding 
the coming of Jesus, words hope, peace, joy, and love. Words which, if you wrap them all up into a nice package, they mean the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and what God intended to do for us. So peace is a key component of the Christmas story. It's one that's been reenacted by thousands of children in nativity plays over the centuries. And we love that innocent message. We love hearing about the poor shepherds. In fact, we love laughing at the little children who dress up and do funny things when they stand up front of their parents and grandparents. We love the angelic chorus, the unexpected revelation and discovery of the Christ child. Indeed, it is, however, the culmination of the eternal plan of a holy and loving God to provide salvation and deliverance to a fallen world. And while we think of this season of the year as the Christmas season and the trappings that go on, especially in the westernized societies, we need to be reminded, I think year to year, that it is not really about those things, but rather it is about what God has a plan what God has planned for us and recorded throughout the Old Testament that we might be able to be free from our sins. We might be able to have an experience of deliverance from this fallen world. The real story of God's peace is about the personal application of its benefits. This is what we want to know. If God came to give me peace... Why is my life in so much turmoil? Believe me, I've sat across the desk and across the table in the coffee shop for many people asking that question. Why do I have these circumstances in my life? So I want to look with you today at the important subject of the peace which God brings through Christ and I want to do it through these three points now <clears throat> I always seem to work in threes when God gives me some revelation it's always in threes and so within a few hours of Pastor Ross inviting me to uh, share this message today uh, I had three main points uh, wouldn't you be surprised and here they are First of all, humanity as a whole longs for true peace. Wherever you go in society, whatever culture, in the hearts of people is a desire to live in peace and harmony with others and have a peaceful life. Second point I want to talk to you about is without God and his plan for peace, it is an elusive concept. And thirdly, the gift of peace begins in the human heart. So let's look at the first idea. Humanity as a whole longs for true peace. So from nations to families to individuals, this concept of peace is attempted in different kinds of ways. Sometimes we deal with it in accommodation. And that goes on a lot in the political arenas of the world. That you see various ones making accommodations so that they can get along to uh, 
to have some kind of harmony in a political sense or a national sense. Sometimes we just ignore the problem and we tend to overlook it or we are in complete denial of those things. Mothers, you know, are famous for being peacekeepers, are they not? So if they have two strong personalities in the house, what the mother does is try to accommodate both people and let peace reign in the house. That's what, what, they're, what they're good at and what they tend to do. So history provides the record for us. And I'd like us to look for just a moment at that. Generally speaking, global history is the story of peoples conquering other peoples, then ruling until someone stronger comes along to challenge their peace. That's kind of the story of human history. And it's not that much different in America if you know your American history. That as progress marched forward from the pilgrims onward and westward, it did come at a great price here in America. And the, the relative peace and modern conveniences that we have here in this nation have come at a great price. And we need to be mindful of that. Such a peace was in effect at the time when Christ was born. And it was known as the Pax Romanum or Roman peace, which was a period that historians look upon of about a hundred years around the coming of Christ when Rome had conquered the entire known world. And because of that, there was relative peace going on and that had some interesting implications regarding the period of the fullness of time when Christ came. But the fact of the matter is that this world's peace holds no lasting assurance, and the peace of that time was the same. The scripture uses the term, in the last days there shall be wars and rumors of wars. Today, we're more likely to hear terms like terrorism, or Muslim extremism, or Middle East conflict, or North Korea and the nuclear bomb, or the Iranian nuclear threat. These are things which in our modern day disturb our peace and, and threaten our security and safety. And if we aren't worried about them, we ought to at least be mindful of them and be praying about those things in our world. In a generation back, maybe two generations, <clears throat> communism was the big threat. And it was known as the, the Great Red Threat. Some of you are too young to remember that, but I remember when I was a boy, uh, we all, uh, we had these, um, these things where you got under your desk at school to practice for the air raid. Anybody ever remember that, doing that? Some of you are old enough, three people here are old enough to remember that. <clears throat> so they, they, they put off this signal, you would dive under your desk and you would stay there until the teacher said it was all right to come out. Well, as a result of that, as a little boy, I had these dreams of this great red horde coming across Alaska and coming down through Canada and into Washington where I lived. And I thought, well, they're going to get to me first. <laughs> it was not peaceful. But we know what happened to communism. German aggression, going back another genera generation, or Japanese imperialism. These 
are illustrations of what has gone on throughout history from one conflict to another, one peace treaty to another, yet never able to come to a true peace. And in our world, we recognize <clears throat> that peace that is ascribed by this world will never accomplish what God intended for true peace to be. Perhaps in your family, as it was in mine, a strong father attempted to impose his will upon the family through anger. There was a lot of turmoil and disruption in the house, and you lived in an uneasy peace until the next outburst comes along. That's the way many people live their lives. So this historical record of what has taken place in the world and perhaps our own family experience proved to us beyond the doubt that we are unable to provide or bring true peace into our lives with human efforts. It's just not possible. I'd like to share with you uh, a few paragraphs that I've had printed on the back of your notes today from the book Mission of the Messiah by Henry Heffron. It describes the condition of the modern, uh, of the world uh, in the day in which Christ came. What the circumstances were like. And so let me read it through for you. Follow along if you can. It is difficult for us in the modern world to comprehend the true condition of the world before Christ came. Heathenism spawned a loathsome brood of vices, but gave the world few virtues. In government, the state with its despotic king was supreme. The individual had little private freedom. In war, the most horrible cruelties were inflicted upon conquered peoples. Slavery, with all its attendant evils, was rife. Women were regarded as chattel, and children were forced to, live, uh, to work hard at a tender age. The weak and handicapped had to fend for themselves in a hostile society, and little pity was extended to the aged or infirm. Lying. Stealing and other vices were regarded with indifference under, the, under most circumstances. This then describes the atmosphere of the world into which Christ came. In religion, second paragraph, the people sank into the vilest corruption. The conscience being seared, the mind darkened, unenlightened, ignorant, and blinded to any true conception of a holy God. They groped their way in a maze of frightening superstitions and fears. Violence, of course, was prevalent. And since might was considered right, people lived for the most part in moral depravity and spiritual despair. The gods themselves were pictured as being sensual, vindictive, capricious, and worshipers often accompanied their religious rites with orgies of drinking and sensuality. Come to think of it, that kind of describes our world as well in places where Christ does not reign in the hearts of people. 
So then, as we turn our thoughts to the gospel proclaimed by Christ, we discover that it was different from any world that the world had ever heard. His words were life, while others offered no hope beyond death. His message was light in a world of darkness. His way led to a life in contrast with eternal death. He asked men to believe on him and to live lives pleasing to God. In the strength of the Spirit, he promised to give them. The world had never heard anything so revolutionary and wonderful before. And it's true that peace is an elusive concept without God and his plan for peace. The wonderful thing is that God's plan is illustrated through a nation he created for this purpose. And if you read the Old Testament, you will see there the history of the nation of Israel, how God began with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and out of them created a people which would bring forth the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like you to look with me, if you would, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, is one of the wonderful messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. And if you read the Old Testament from time to time, you'll come, cro- you'll come across a wonderful portion of Scripture which describes in beautiful language the coming of the one who is to be the deliverer or the Messiah. You'll recognize these words, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. But in spite of God's great plan for Israel, and his desire to bring forth the Prince of Peace out of the nation of Israel, Israel's journey itself was very fraught with problems. Their journey was filled with conflict and trial. 430 years of slavery in Egypt, 40 years afterwards of wandering in the wilderness, many, many battles with other nations, judgments because of disobedience to God's laws which they brought on themselves. It's interesting that their brief peaceful period was during the reign of King Solomon with God's promise to King David, Solomon's father. You know, King David was a man of war and blood and because of that, God would not allow him to build a house for him. But he did promise that Solomon could build the house. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 9, David is talking to Solomon about this and he gives him the promise of God to him and he said, I will give peace and quietness to Israel during his days. And so during the reign of Solomon, there was peaceful um, living 
throughout those approximately 40 years that Solomon was king of Israel. I'd like you to look at these other messianic prophecies as well. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 and 10, you'll recognize these words. Behold, your king is coming to you. He shall speak peace to the nations. In the midst of that great prophecy about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding upon a donkey that we celebrate on Palm Sunday every year, that when that prophecy was first given by Zechariah, in that prophecy, these words were found. He shall speak peace to nations. And in Micah chapter 5, verse 2 and 4, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel. And there again we find these words, And this one shall be peace. So this prophetic plan was played out on the hills of Judea one bright night that we read about in our text. And the shepherds were the first ones to hear the news that this culmination of prophetic word was being fulfilled in their very time. So I want you to understand today that it is only through Christ and his sacrifice that we are capable of appropriating the peace that he came to give the world. When you think about the spectrum of the Old Testament, when you think about the nation of Israel, the prophets and the kings, when you think about the temples and all that was going on in that period of time, it was all for this one single purpose, that the Prince of Peace would come. And so as we celebrate this Christmas season and talk about the coming of the Messiah, this is what it's about. This is the message. And all that, on that night, the shepherds saw the culmination of that great prophetic event take place. So the third point I want to make clear to you today is this. That the gift of peace only comes to the human heart. It doesn't happen in the air. We sometimes think as peace being this ethereal cloud that kind of lays over our home or over the land or over the nations. But peace is not like that. Peace, God's peace comes only to the human heart. Jesus said to John in verse 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. The world may cry, peace and safety. But sudden destruction will come. But the peace which Jesus brings will bring peace in the midst of every trial, every problem, every challenge that we face in this world. But there must be, folks, an acceptance of this peace. Christ does not spray it into the air like air freshener. And you just kind of get some. He kind, of, he kind of speaks it into your heart. And you accept it by faith. 
and you receive the peace that only he can give. That peace comes through faith. This is how we answer the question. If God wanted to give me peace, why is my life in so much turmoil? This is how we answer it. We accept his peace by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Christ makes peace a reality in our lives. A number of years ago, I was in the throes of confusion and discussion about what to do in a particular situation with our life and family. And so some of the family we were in Yakima at the time, Yakima, Washington, and we'd lived there before and since. It was our home. And so we were in a cabin up in the mountains. Sharon was there. Uh, Lori, who sang, was there. Our son Brad and Brent was there. And we were uh, just taking a few days away to try to figure out what was going to happen in the, few, in the future. And I was reading a book by Kenneth Hagin called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. And in this book, uh, Kenneth Hagin is asked, to what do you owe the success of your ministry? And his answer was, I read the word, I pray in the spirit, and then I do what God tells me to do. And when I read those words, something inadvertently leaped up in me and I shouted out, as I was wont to do from time to time. And Sharon and the children were at the table a few feet away uh, playing a card game of some kind and a spirit of prayer came on me and I got up out of my chair in the living room and I went into the bedroom which was off the kitchen separated by a three-quarter inch board wall and I began to pray out loud and I began to groan and then I began to wail and holler and travail because this spirit of prayer had come upon me and God was trying to speak to me and get my flesh out of the way I suppose and so I went on like that they went on with their card game I went on like that for about 45 minutes. I laid on the bed and cried and wailed. I laid on the floor and cried and wailed. And I spoke in tongues and I sought God with all my heart. And after about 45 minutes, God spoke to me and he said, This is what I've prepared for you to do. Don't miss the hour of your visitation. I wrote that down on my tablet I brought with me. I jumped to my feet. I said, I have an answer. I ran into the kitchen where the card game was still going on. And I said, come on, let's rejoice. I got their hands up. And I said, come on, lift up your hands. Let's praise the Lord. An answer has come. Well, peace had come into that situation. Now, they were a little... You know, they thought I was a little weird, <laughs> just, just like you may. But God's peace came as a result of that travail. Christ's peace came into my heart. I accepted his plan for peace by faith in my heart, and confusion fled away. I firmly believe that every one of you can find that kind of peace if you seek it with your whole heart. 
if you accept by faith what Christ has done for you, you can find peace. But then what do we do with it? If peace comes into the human heart, then we distribute that peace to others in our lives. I'd like you to see it as a picture of a river with its tributaries. And the water is flowing, instead of out of the tributaries down into the river, the water is flowing up the river and into the tributaries of your life. And God's peace begins to flow into the people with, who, with whom you associate. We distribute it by living in peace through his principles. We read the Bible. We learn his principles. And then we act them out in our life. And peace is the result. By rejecting fear and confusion... God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. We do not have to live in the kind of fear that grips our world today because we trust in God and we have God's peace within our heart. And then thirdly, by seeking peace and pursuing it. I want to talk to you today about leaning into peace. Leaning into peace. Your life is challenged in some way. There's some issue that you are concerned about. God wants you to lean into his peace. And he said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 12, in a verse there, he said, Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So the peace of God that he sent Christ to obtain is available to every one of you who are here today.